Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bernie's Bums, brought to you by Cream City Central. Uh, today we got an exciting episode, but first I'll introduce Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? I'm doing good. Just the same old quarantine stuff. Same old, same old. But we got an exciting episode coming up today. We have a interview with Brewers prospect Peyton Henry. Dare I say top prospect Peyton Henry? Ooh, you can say it. I love to hear it, man. I mean, anybody in the top 30 I would consider as a top prospect in the system. Hell yeah. Yeah, we talked to Peyton. He was a super cool guy. We kind of just reached out to him on Twitter and Instagram, and he was a really nice guy. I love talking to him, and hopefully we can get him on again in the future. Yeah, he was awesome. And uh, first, before we get into uh, talking about the interview and everything, I'd like to shout out our Ireland listeners. <laughs> yeah. I was I was looking at our um, some of our analytics for the podcast, and at the time, 2% of our listeners were coming out of Ireland. So whoever y'all are, thank you. Yeah, so basically we're international now. I mean, I'm going to say international. International. That I am. Internationally known. Yes. I, so now when you mention us to your friends, the international podcast, Bernie's Bums, please. Thank I you. I mean, spot the lie. There is none. <laughs> but yeah, going back to Peyton Henry, I think if you're a, a pretty big Brewers fan, you know who he is. He's a catcher. Honestly, I know the Brewers are really high on him, and so are we. I'm super high on him. I love the kid. I mean, if you just look at his stats, I'm just, I have him up right now. If last you season. say batting average. Well, the thing is, when it comes don't to a catcher. A, don't, don't say it, Ryan. <laughs> don't say it. So Henry, in his batting average, he hits between 240 and 260. That's kind of where he lives. But for a catcher. That is very good, especially with the kind of power that Henry has. Yeah, you know what? I don't care about that. Um, (laughs) One thing that I paid attention to is he gets on base, and when he makes contact, it's usually a hit. His BABIP batting average on balls in play uh, was at 324, which is a pretty good number in 2019. And also, when talking about Peyton Henry, one thing to really look at is his arm. Uh, He's got, like, a crazy good arm. I think his uh, caught stealing rate is at in like high 30s, 38% maybe last year. Yeah, that's um, that's something. That's like a Yachty or Molina number. Yeah, I mean, it was outstanding. I was looking at some of the metrics of his arm, and I was like, holy crap, like, kid can sling it. Yeah, the only knock on Henry at this point in his career is he's a little bit of a free swinger. I mean, the guy's only 22. He still has a ton of time left to kind of nail out those flaws a little bit. And that's the thing is that's a super teachable skill, especially at the age he is. You know, he's pretty young. Last year he was in advanced A. So that's something that's teachable. But what's not teachable is his raw power that he has. He is rated so high with just the raw power that he produces. I mean, he's like 6'1", 215 around there, like super athletic build. Like kid can hit. And it's hard to talk about Henry without mentioning Mario Feliciano. I think is how you say his last name. Feliciano. Feliciano. It's hard to mention Henry without mentioning him because they are both catchers, both highly rated in the Brewers system, and their similarities are ridiculously close. Yeah, they're super similar. Uh, similar. And you'll hear Peyton talk about him a little bit in the interview, but you know, they both, from what he was talking about, they both have a great aspect on each other, and they both want themselves to do well and you know we always talk about you need two catchers on a roster and I think 
if you have Henry and Feliciano on a major league roster and if they turn out the way they're supposed to, I mean, you got a good-looking catching spot there. Well, the way I look at it is the Brewers just signed Omar Narvaez for, what was it, two years, I think? Yeah. If I'm wrong, you know, call me out on it, but I think what the Brewers are trying to do is they want Feliciano and Peyton Henry to be ready in two years to take that spot so they don't have to sign another catcher. And it's funny you say that because I was looking um, at Fangraphs and kind of his scouting reports there, and they have him expected to come up in 2022, which would be two years from now. So Narvaez is definitely the bridge to those two. And just real quick, um, I was looking over his scouting reports as well in Baseball Savant, and his 2019 scouting report, preseason scouting report, um, I just have a couple quotes from it. Um, One of them said... And real quick, we're we're talking about Henry, correct? Yes, yes. So for Henry, uh, one quote was, he is praised for his energy and leadership uh, skills behind the plate, as well as he he has the makings of becoming a power over hit every day catcher at the highest level. And then something from his 2020 scouting report um, that shows a lot to me is club officials have been impressed with how he's developed a receiving style that utilizes his big athletic build. So he talks about receiving as well a little bit in the interview, but, you know, he's super highly rated, especially from his defensive perspective, um, I think within the Brewers organization. And it's someone that I'm super excited about. If you had to take a guess between Henry and Feliciano, which one do you think would be called up sooner? Um, See, do, you, do you have the year that Feliciano was drafted? I don't have this year up. Because I know Peyton Henry was drafted in 2016. Feliciano was drafted in 2016 as well. Feliciano was drafted in the second round, and Henry was drafted in the sixth round. My thought is that because of his defense, because I think Henry is a tad bit better on defense than Feliciano, and I think Feliciano has a little bit more of an MLB approach at the plate, but I think defensively is what MLB, you know, managers are looking at as for a catcher. So I think Henry would be first to be called up. Yeah. And I think it really is a toss up too, because they're both pretty much the same age. They've been going up through the system together and they're, as we talked about earlier, they're fairly identical when it comes to styles of playing. So it really is a throw up at this point. And, you know, if somebody unfortunately gets injured or how everything works out, you never know. But what an amazing problem to have, honestly. Right? I, nobody nobody ever said there was a problem of having too much talent in the system. Well, and I feel like it's so hard to get a good catcher that can both play good defense and hit, and the Brewers have two of them in their system. Absolutely. And that's something to um, – it's similar to the shortstop problem of having a shortstop who's good defensively and also good at the plate – is those guys are people that you have to bring up through your system because once a team has them, he is most the team is most likely not going to trade them because they're very much prized possessions. Yeah, I would say Feliciano and Henry are both guys that are, I wouldn't say untouchable to the Brewers, but it would take a lot for the Brewers to give them up. Absolutely. I mean, I think now is a good time to jump to the interview. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so again, hope you guys enjoy We're going to thank Peyton Henry again. Hopefully he's listening, but he was a really cool guy, and we're hoping we can get him on again sometime in the future. Say thanks for coming on and taking the time out of your day to do this. You know, I know we know you're kind of busy, but we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Yeah, so 
I guess since you got a little bit of limited time, we'll just get right into it. Um, okay. You were invited to the big league camp this year. What mm-hmm. are some skills that you were able to pick up from the big leaguers, whether it was about playing the game or just how they handle themselves? Everybody at that level is, is so talented and so good at what they do, you know, specifically whether, you know, they're a pitcher, catcher, infielder, outfielder, you know. So um, what they do is incredible. So I kind of try to just take away, you know, how they handle themselves and, you know, how they handle media, how they handle their other teammates, how they treat their other teammates, things like that. So kind of picked up on a few things there, which was which was good. Um, you know, also the fact that, you know, I think the biggest thing I learned was um, everybody wants to win and they'll do whatever it takes to win. And that's kind of been my mentality, you know, coming through, uh, coming through the minor leagues, coming, you know, hoping to get to the big leagues, um, is just winning. So that it's it's kind of a breath of fresh air, you know, getting up there and you know just being with a bunch of guys that take everything serious and you know and want to win. Yeah, you kind of touched on uh, going up through the system, and according to MLB.com, you are the 16th ranked prospect in the Brewer system at the moment. And being such a highly ranked player, uh, does it have added pressure to perform above expectations? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, we're all under a lot of pressure to perform um, because that's how we keep our jobs. So that pressure is always there, but we definitely, I think, you know, I can speak for everyone as we just try to eliminate the pressure and just say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm here for a reason and I came here to play and I came here to play well. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really nice um, accolade and honor to, to be the 16th ranked prospect. But, you know, I think in my mind, I want to be the number one ranked prospect. So I still got a lot of work to do. So that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at there. So no pressure, just, um, you know, just an extra motivation to play well. I'm actually really interested because Mario Feliciano is also a highly rated prospect as a catcher in the same system. Do you guys have a friendly rivalry, or is it just something that you guys are kind of just coming up together and competing together? Um, you know what? I don't. I don't really even think it's a rivalry. In my opinion, I think he wants to see me do well, and I know I want to see him do well. Um, I think we're both going to play in the big leagues one day, regardless of you know who it's for. I mean, obviously we hope it's for the Brewers, but um, that's just you know me and him are actually really good friends and. You know, we got drafted together. We've pretty much played at every level together. So, um, besides Low A Wisconsin, so it's it's been it's been good. It's been really fun to kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I think we we also make each other better. Um, that's that's one of the one of the huge things is you know having somebody there to compete with and to bounce ideas off of and to just kind of keep you know going on that path is is a good thing. Me and Olivia talk about it a lot on the podcast where if you and Feliciano come up together and play in the majors together, I mean, every team needs two catchers to be good, and the Brewers will have a damn good platoon situation if both of you guys are on the same team. I know me and him would love nothing more than that. So um, that's – everybody, you know, has the same goal in the end, and me and him definitely have the same goal is, you know, we got to play as as good as we can and, you know, eventually – hopefully help the, you know, the Brewers team win. Yeah, and one question I've always been curious on is being a catcher, you obviously have two big jobs to take care of. And one is making sure you're calling the right game for the pitcher so he can have a good night at the plate or at the mound. And also 
it's making sure you're prepared so you have a good night at the plate. Kind of how do you balance that going into the field every day to make sure both of those sides um, can be at the best possible? I, I can't speak for every catcher, but for me, you know, calling game, calling the game is the most important thing, you know, there is, and making sure your pitcher's comfortable as well. So we, you know, my my main um, my main concern for the whole night is the pitcher. I want to do everything right so that I can steal him strikes, that he can have a good game, and and stuff like that. So that's um, yeah, that's huge. I mean, uh, I feel like there's not really you know separating it or having to worry about it. But at the same time, yeah, you know, I want to perform well and I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing so that I can put myself in a position to hopefully, you know, have the organization keep moving me, keep moving me forward and keep moving me up. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of always in the back of your mind. But at that point, you just kind of let skill take over and athleticism take over and you just kind of all focused on the pitcher and just making sure that you know, you're doing everything you can for him to to make sure that, you know, we can get a win. Is there a catcher in the league today that you kind of model yourself after, you know, speaking about how much it matters to be a good defensive catcher as well as bringing it at the plate? Is there a guy that you model yourself after? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been a big Buster Posey fan ever since he got in the league. So that was, you know, that was that's something that, you know, I've watched him all along. I mean, there's a lot of great catchers. You talk about Yadier Molina. We can talk about Salvador Perez, uh, so on and so forth. But I think Buster Posey is the one I model, I model mine after because he's kind of he's kind of that got that blue collar vibe to him. Just goes out there, does his job, and you know doesn't say much about it. So um, I've really enjoyed watching him play. Um, it was pretty pretty cool to be able to to be in spring training and play against the Giants and you know, be able to see him catch in person. Um, I actually got to see him, see him catch, uh, a long time ago. I was actually a bat boy for the Colorado Rockies in spring training. And I got to see him play and he hit a, he hit a home run over the batter's eye in spring training. So it was pretty cool to watch him there. So he's kind of, he's kind of always been my guy. I mean, there's been a lot of different guys I've taken things from. So, but definitely him for sure. Yeah, and so you spent your whole entire minor league career um, in the Brewers organization, and it's very well known that the Brewers tend to be more analytically advanced. Um, so kind of growing up in that, what do you find yourself looking at the most um, that's been helping you better your performance over the past couple of years? Um, for me, it's just being an all-around good player. Um, yeah, I mean, the analytic, the analytic side of baseball um, is definitely huge right now, and the Brewers do a great job of finding players that can that can meet those requirements uh, but you know I, I i'm not i'm not ever really worried about that i'm not ever really looking at that analytically i'm just kind of going out and doing my thing and finding ways that you know for instance for like receiving we're always finding new ways to where we can steal pitches or you know get pitches or things like that so um and then you know being able to block and and being able to throw i definitely think the receiving metrics have have gone, you know, through the roof, and everybody's kind of kind of um, going towards that receiving metric. So that's one we do pay attention to, and then I do pay attention to because I want to steal strikes for my pitchers. But other than that, like I said, it just kind of just kind of let athleticism take over and know that I have it in me, and you know, usually it turns out pretty good. A lot of people say the minors are just insane when it comes to bus rides, just the travel schedule, and 
you know, the hotels. What's the weirdest thing you have ever, ever encountered in your minor league career? Oh man, that's, that's a good question. Holy cow. I don't know. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of crazy ones. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like just, uh, like the weirdest thing is probably me, like coming out of high school, you know, you get to Arizona and you think, you know, you think minor league baseball is kind of this, you know, stadium feel and stadium vibe and everything. And then you get to Arizona and the rookie league and there's nobody in the stands and you're just there playing and, and it's it's definitely like it's definitely trippy. It's a really weird thing. So you kind of got to learn how to how to play all over again, and you know, like it it just you know kind of bring yourself your own energy and stuff like that. But I'd say for uh, for affiliated ball, um, we stayed in a hotel that was 1970s theme, so that was really interesting walking into. Um, it was actually in uh, Kinston, North Carolina, but. It was really cool. Like I, I walked into it, I was like, "Oh man, I've you know I've never stayed in anything like this before." So this is this is interesting, and it had been remodeled into that 1970s theme, and you know stuff like that. So it, it was pretty it was pretty cool. What does that even look like in 1970s hotel? <laughs> it, I it was like it was really colorful. Um, <laughs> in fact, I don't I don't really know how to explain it, but it was definitely that uh, I guess that like 1970s 1980s movie type type feel you walk in and you kind of got like the they had like orange couches and you know some crazy stuff so it it was all over the place but honestly that's probably one of my favorite places i've ever stayed so it was pretty funny it's funny listening to you talk about rookie ball where you know you don't have any many fans it's like playing when you were playing in middle school and you have your middle school girlfriend in the stands and that's about it <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i think there's more people at those games than there were at the you know the ACL ones because at least you got your parents there and stuff like that you, know, you get down to arizona you know you got no parents there you got nobody there so you're just kind of on your own so it's kind of funny you got you know you got the rest of the you know, the starting pitcher for the day after in the stands or you know some of the other relieving pitchers that aren't throwing that day in the stands chart and stuff and so it's pretty crazy yeah, I can't even imagine, like, being that young and, like, kind of sent off on your own, and it's just, like, have a good time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was crazy. I was I was uh, sent to Arizona about two weeks after I graduated, so that was pretty nuts. But it was, you know, it was cool. It was, it was a good experience, but, man, it's it's very eye-opening, especially for an 18-year-old kid to kind of, you know, experience the world and get out in the world so quick and not really have any any idea what he's doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Once again, we'd like to thank you for coming on and talking with us for a little bit. And I guess the last thing I'll do is open it up to you if you have any message you'd like to send out to the listeners. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, uh, you guys you guys have done awesome for, for Brewer Nation, and this is, this is a cool thing for us to be able to come up and do and come on the show and do. So I guess everybody right now, just uh, just stay safe. And, you know, I hope... I hope none of you are affected by, you know, the current pandemic and hopefully we're all out playing baseball soon because that's where we want to be. And, you know, I'm, I think that's where everybody else wants us to be as well. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. Yeah, man. Thanks again for coming on. You're awesome. Yeah, no problem. Thank you Wait, guys. I appreciate you reaching out. Real quick. We have, we're talking to Clayton Andrews tomorrow. Oh, Clayton, is there, my guy. <laughs> is, there, is there anything we need to bring up? Just ask him who his favorite catcher is. All right, we'll make sure we get that. We'll do that one. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't say me, then I know he's been lying to my face for the last two years. <laughs> so <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta test him right here. 
All right, we'll make sure. We'll we'll let you know what he says. All right. Yeah, after that, tell him I said what up. Tell him I miss him. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to message him today and say, hey, I heard what's going on there. So that's, that's cool. All right, we are back from an interview. I hope you all enjoyed it once again. Uh, thanks to Peyton Henry for talking with us for a little bit. Um, like, I can't emphasize enough. Super cool guy, super chill, and we had a good time with him. Yeah, he was really cool. I loved how he talked about his not so much of a rivalry with Feliciano. I love how he talked about it's just a friendly, you know, they make each other better type of story. Yeah, and one thing that I'll touch on uh, before we move forward is when we were doing the interview with him, one thing that kept running through my mind is his mindset on the game to me was just incredible. Just the way he talks about how he goes into every game is so incredible to me, and it was awesome for me to hear it from him uh, because I know with that mindset he'll be able to last. Well, and I love how as a catcher, the thing that he brought up that was most important to him was calling a good game for the pitcher as opposed to, you know, making all the stops or throwing every runner out or having a good night at the plate. All he cared about was how his pitcher is doing. I feel like he's a guy that takes that to heart if the pitcher struggles. Yeah, no doubt. Like, like that's what I mean. Like when his mindset and how he approaches every single game was so spot on to what you want from a catcher, um, especially one who you expect to be starting as an everyday catcher in the majors. Like, top-notch dude well and he said he looked up to Buster Posey which I thought was interesting because it's a I mean, good guy I, to look up to an MVP and honestly Henry reminds me a little bit of a young Buster Posey yeah you can easily make that uh, comparison well moving forward the MLB has had some plans to have baseball back hopefully within the next month or two um, I know Rob Manfred came out and said in some press conference over the phone saying we will have baseball in 2020. So that's great news. Um, However, there are a few plans that um, have been the most talked about or have stood out to me. Uh, One being the three state plan between Florida, Arizona, and Texas. Um, The second one being Arizona and Florida uh, teams being in their respective spring training facilities. And then the one that really took me by surprise that I hope doesn't happen it would be in japan i believe but i think so i want to address the first one where you said it would be in what three stadiums kind of in the south yeah so it'd be in three states because obviously texas has a lot of ballparks not necessarily from a major league perspective but they also have a lot of minor league teams down there as well so i know the nhl was thinking about doing this and their commissioner came out and said it's just logistically not possible to do that because it's not so much about the scheduling the games but it's more about where the players are going to stay for this amount of time and logistics between you know hotels food travel schedules things like that and I think that's the biggest thing and that's where to me the Arizona and Florida plan makes the most sense uh, just because everybody already you know most of the guys who play already have homes in Arizona or they rent some out with their buddies and to you know, everybody has their kind of home base where, especially in Arizona, Florida, it's a mess down there. I'm going to be honest. It's like at least a two-hour uh, bus drive between uh, stadiums, which I think is just about the dumbest thing ever. But in Arizona, um, I know everything's pretty much within 15 minutes with each other. Um, so that's one thing where players would still have the opportunity to kind of be in their respective um like home base in Arizona, and then once game time comes, you 
bus over to the other stadium or something like that. I think that just makes the most sense in my mind. And I feel like people aren't talking about one of the more obvious ones where they could all just play in their own stadiums with no fans. I haven't been seeing much about that, but it seems logical to me. I think the biggest thing from that perspective is, is just like all the flying and stuff. I mean, I get it. They get dropped off on the runway, so it's not that big of a deal. Not the runway. That's not the correct term. What is it called? Uh, You know what I'm... The Airport? No, they get... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. You know where the plane takes off. What is that called? That's not the runway, is it? Yeah, it's the runway. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, then I guess the runway. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know at this point. I think that'd be too spread out. See, I don't know because it's really hard to predict how things are going to look in a month. And I don't, I think the commissioners of all sports leagues, especially the MLB, are kind of just waiting to make a decision to see what things look like in June, I would say. And that's the biggest thing I feel like is every state is on a different level. Like Wisconsin, we don't have, I mean, we have cases, but we're also don't have as many cases as somewhere like California and New York. So that's where it's like, do you really want to be having so many people traveling and staying in hotels and places like New York and California, where it's going to take quite a bit longer than a state like Wisconsin to kind of heal up and get through all the phases. Well, in it's just tough because things are always going to be like this until there's a solution for what's going on in the world. I don't know if these commissioners I feel like they don't want to do all these plans. I feel like they just want to wait until they can make one final decision that's the right one. I don't know. To me, the Arizona and Florida one just seems logical. Just because although like playing in your own stadium without fans, like you're still traveling and staying in hotels that are like in places like New York and Southern California that are that have been hit more with the virus. So I think there's less um, challenges uh doing the Arizona and Florida plan well what kind of backlash if any do you think the players would give and that's that's where things get tough a lot of them I know the biggest thing once they kind of started to delay the season everybody was flipped out about service time that was a big thing that the MLBPA had to kind of get cleared over so guys can go to arbitration in the respective years and all that stuff so I think at this point Every player that I've heard talk about it, they all say they want to play. And at this point, you know, I was kind of initially at first, I was like, I don't want to play without fans. Like, that seems stupid. But then we're now a month away from when the season should have started. And I just want to see a baseball game. So I think everybody's kind of on the same level when it comes to that. Yeah, but a lot of these scenarios, these players are kind of locked in a hotel. They're supposed to not go anywhere. So you're asking these guys to leave their families for, what, three, four months? And that's the toughest part because it is like that. And, you know, you think of, you know, Counts' family, um, Stearns has a baby. It's like, that's the toughest part about it. But it also comes with the job. I mean, they travel half the time anyway. Yeah, but they're still able to go wherever they want and see whoever they want. Yeah, but I think, but I think if they have the Arizona and Florida plan, like a lot of people like have houses down there. Yeah, but for the players that don't, if you're getting every single MLB team in that one area. Well, that's how it is enough. in spring training. Yeah, but these people are going to want to see their families. They're going to want to bring their families. They're going to buy actual houses, not just rentals. And Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be the toughest part. But 
logistically, Obviously, it just doesn't work out to me. I don't know. I think I'm just at the mindset of like, I want to see a baseball game. I know a ton of the players just want to play. So, Wishful thinking. Man, I just need baseball. And if Manfred goes behind his word and says we're not having baseball in 2020, I'm going to be angry. I have no idea what to think about this and the whole virus anymore. My brain is just kind of mush when people bring it up to me. Yeah. But I, I would love to see baseball. I think logistically it doesn't work to have them all in Arizona and Florida, but we'll see if they can come out with a plan. That's the problem. Nobody's come out with a plan yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a ton of ideas rolling around. I'm sure they've had numerous phone calls about it between the owners and the players association. So it's just kind of the waiting game at this point, but kind of moving on to that to something a little bit more exciting and something to make your day. Um, You want something to make your day, Ryan? Always. Um, have you seen Christian Yelich's mustache? Yeah, he's got a mustache now. <laughs> the tragedy that that is. <laughs> you don't like it? It's funny, but also at the same time, he reminds me, like, he looks like he could be a mobster in, like, the 1900s. Am I wrong? No, I'm not. I think mustaches are cool. The only reason why I don't have one is my girlfriend won't let let me. Oh, man. I, I think it's funny for the time being, but he looks like, he would be in a mob in like the 19 whenever mobs were a thing like 1900s 50s i, I feel know. like i don't know man that yelich mustache you think he's been working on that thing for what three months now he doesn't got much there <laughs> well he did say in an interview they twi- uh the brewers twitter put out a clip that he had it going and then he did an interview with sports center oh. um a couple weeks back and he chickened out that morning and decided to shave it off and then he's been growing it ever since come on that disappoints me, old <laughs> Yelich. You're disappointed. Yeah, that thing could have been sweet. No, it's so high. Mm, when, I first, not... when I first saw the mustache, immediately what I thought was, is Christian Yelich the best player to ever have a mustache? <laughs> oh, God. But come on, there's got to be more. That I'm not saying Yelich's mustache is the best ever, but he might be the best player to ever just wear a mustache. One thing that if he does put it into the season, I know he was joking um, in that same snippet the Brewers put out that like if there is a 2020 season and a 2020 roster picture, that it'll be the most historic picture ever because people are going to have all these crazy things going on with their face and hair. But uh, one thing that if the season does start that I just think is funny, it's completely pointless, but have you ever seen when players will like, their first at bat, they have like one kind of facial hairstyle and then they come up for their second and it's like, and they shaved half of it. And then by the third, it's gone. I want yeah. him to do that. I like when they do the promo photos with super long hair or mustaches or something and then yeah. nothing. And then they come up the bat and you're like, that doesn't even look like the same guy. Yeah. I, I want him to like change in mid game. I don't know why, but I think it's hilarious. I went, I want Ben Gamble to come out of this clean shaven. Oh, I don't like him clean. He needs a beard. He looks too much like his brother without a beard. (laughs) I loved Ben Gamble ever since I saw him shotgun a Red Bull. That was sweet. That was a classic video. That's legendary. Dude, those brewers are always hammering Red Bulls. Man, they have an issue. Like, you see Council doing it. I know Ben Gamble does it. I know. Counts is on Red Bulls always. Um, I see uh, what's Pat Murphy always chugging one down <laughs> i know i know junior garrow was always doing oh, it he would do God. it be- he would do it before he goes out the pitch yeah. 
I said, oh my gosh. Milwaukee nightlife can't be that good, can it? I, I, I don't want to comment on that. No comment. <laughs> no, but every player's got to have their thing of energy. I mean, you think about it, their schedules are well, not the most favorable to sleep and in, rest. In support, I'm doing about two Red Bulls a day anyway, so. Are you serious? Yeah, it's not a healthy habit, but it's a habit nonetheless. I don't drink caffeine. This is all this is all natural, everybody. It's all natural. No, if I don't drink caffeine, I'll kind of shut down. I'll start getting headaches. Uh, my my body will ache. It's it's actually a problem at this point, but <laughs> Oh my god. That's such a bad habit, dude. <laughs> it's been going on for like 7 years, so Holy I crap. Stop. I'm not as bad as some people. Um up for debate. I read that you can drink up to 400 or, you know, obtain up to 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. I don't even want to know myself on that much caffeine. I so, think I and, would genuinely be bouncing off the walls. I wouldn't sleep for 48 hours. And, a Red, and a Red Bull has about 100 milligrams of caffeine a day. So Well, you know those, I, what is it, the Bang Energy drinks that yep. have like 350? I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. I don't, I don't do those. I like to have my caffeine throughout the day i don't like to just down it all in one one trip i think one of my favorite memories when it comes to red bulls and the brewers is jimmy nelson once he said i do red bull for the taste and i'm like it's metal it tastes like metal no you get used to it it's called it's just the energy drink taste if you drink them as much as me you start it's the battery acid i love it oh my god that sounds disgusting that is foul we go this episode is sponsored by a youtube channel he goes under the name maxwell dodd make sure you look him up he's a really cool guy he posts reaction videos to nfl nba he also just posts some cool fun content on his channel please go check him out yeah i mean if you if you give the excuse that you don't have time to y'all are lying so go look him up (laughs) i'll still use that excuse (laughs) oh my And that's all we got for today. <laughs> before, I, before I get more mad at you, we'll close out. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. Well, make sure oh. dude, make sure to subscribe, oh. rate, like, interact with us on Twitter. Uh, what else is there? Oh, go follow Peyton Henry. Great dude. Um, if you're not already. I don't know if – I hope you are. Great guy. I don't know. Any last words, Ryan? Nope. Nope. Wow, that's a first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next week. Have a good one. (laughs)